Welcome to this Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us. Here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. So hi, Kathy. It's great to have you back on the Women in Safety podcast. I'm really looking forward to continuing our conversation and learning more about ESG and human capital. And we're going to kind of dive into talking about like, what is the role of the health and safety professional in ESG? So I was hoping you could open it up with that for us. Sure. Um, first of all, it's great to be back. Um, it's always a pleasure to work with you, Tamara. You asked me great questions, and I, I like how we go back and forth. Um, so, so I'm looking forward to this today. So this being the second episode, your question about the role of the health and safety professional. So I'd like to say, whether it's ESG or what you do on a daily basis as a safety professional, we have several roles, and it's the same. Um, Many of us don't understand this though, but I mean, at the end of the day, what do we do? We identify hazards, we assess risks, uh, we assure that there's proper controls in place uh, for those particular hazards and risks. Um, we also prioritize those risks to make sure we're taking care of the ones that are gonna be most serious first, right? Potential fatalities. Um, and then we put controls in place and we verify those controls are working. And when we say, when I say we, I mean collective as an organization, health and safety, our job is to be the subject matter expert. So that's our subject matter. And then you take that out and look and say, you know, we need to really understand our business and the business context in which we're operating. And that's what this whole ESG conversation is about. So how does that translate with the concept of including ESG? Well, as subject matter experts, we need to be able to be translators. Our role is to make sure our organizations understand. We talked last time about environmental, social and governance risk and safety and health and workers, as well as people working in communities um, who tend to be the workers for, um, or, or where, the, where the workers for a company come from. Um, so it's communities as well as the people within your organization. So the role that we play is to assure that they're, you know, they're healthy, they're safe. Um, and our, our job and our roles have increased to really include the concepts of well-being. So I would say in terms of our role, subject matter experts, we're the ones that help our companies understand what they need to be and do to be competent to be able to identify hazards. So it's not just the health and safety folks anymore. It's the operational folks who really are accountable for health and safety. You know, in our other role, is around regulatory compliance, right? That's kind of like the baseline. And it's no longer just health and safety in, in terms of the regulatory bodies, right? The, the factory inspectorates um, in the United States, it's OSHA in the UK, the health and safety executive. So compliance with the health and safety regulations are one thing, but there's also, and we're gonna talk about more about this, uh, regulations around what companies need to report on in their financial reporting. So, um, you know, in Canada and the United States, uh, we have entities that are um, um, 
well, in Canada, for example, it's the Canadian Securities Administration, the CSA. Um, in the UK, it's the, um, the Financial Reporting Council. In the United States, it's the Securities and Exchange Commission. And this is not about health and safety per se, but it's these um, organizations, and in the EU, there's EU directives for the European Union. Um, these entities are coming up with regulations around what needs to be reported in annual financial accounts uh, for companies. And part of that is, the people side, or as they call it, human capital in the financial industry. Um, and HR calls it, and companies call it talent, um, employees, workers um, for the company. And what's important here is there are regulations that are starting to be developed around what actually needs to be reported. And one of those areas is occupational health and safety of your employees or workers. So kind of, kind of we kind of take it full circle, our role hasn't really changed. It's that we just need to make sure we're doing our work within the context of understanding the whole business environment that we're operating in and specifically our company and our company's goals and objectives. Um, what is it that they're seeing? What are the stakeholders? Um, what are they seeing? And I mean, one thing that comes to my mind when we're talking about this, and I think that we could do a better job as professionals, and one of the things you said about being a trans later, you know, helping others understand what needs to be reported. And typically, when we talk about reporting, we always think, oh, that's a senior level task. That's a senior level job. But would you agree that there's value with having everyone in the company understand the value of reporting? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, that's the scorecard, right? Right. Um, that's the end point. And, you know, you make such an important point on the reporting because what needs to be reported? You know, what needs to go on those dashboards? Is it for internal use? Is it for external use? Is And when I think about external, it's all those stakeholders we're talking about. So investors, um, your customers, your suppliers. Um, so I think, I think you make a really, really important point. And in terms of taking from translator to actually what needs to be included, um, to your point, it's not just the health and safety professional anymore, right? It's it's this joint co-creation. What are those metrics going to be? Your key performance indicators, right? And a lot of that information comes from your expectations uh, relative to your stakeholders. So um, it's like it's like we don't do this in a box. Uh, we don't create those dashboards. We don't get involved in uh, data collection. So we can provide those dashboards for our, um, our leadership. Uh, we need to do that with the organizations, the entities, the stakeholders that are actually involved and will use that information to make good business decisions for themselves. And I know we're going to get into that, but I, I think it's a really important point you make. You know, as we're talking, and I, I understand that in our role as health and safety professionals, yes, we're supposed to be identifying the risks, you know, and then prioritizing those risks and then putting the proper controls in, in order to help mitigate, eliminate and mitigate. And it occurs to me as we're talking that a lot of the times um, the human factor employees will be viewed as a risk. And I'm wondering, we need to really like change the narrative around that our, our employees are actually resources and our assets in the field that could be helping us to, um, if we get their buy-in to be collecting more insights and if they have an understanding about what the value and the power is behind the reporting and 
then elevate them in the process. What are your thoughts around that? Wow. That's, I'd like to pack that just a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. No, um, go ahead. Yeah. Cause reporting is sort of the output. That's like the final piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of what goes into that. Cause I think you make a really important point about, um, you know, employees, workers, talent, yeah. the human side, right? Are, are you a cost? Because that's how it's been. Yeah. And yes, you're a yeah. cost of the business. Well, at the end of the day, it's just pivoting. And I think we've, we've mm-hmm. talked in the past too, a little bit about the fact that, you know, employees, workers are no longer just a cost, but they actually create, create value, which I think is where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. in this world of ESG, you know, it, if we just focused on the output and said, um, okay, this is how we're managing uh, the safety and health of people. This is how we're managing um, diversity, equity, inclusion. This is how we're managing uh, wage equity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are our outputs. If we're not actually talking about the strategy yeah. and um, the investors and many of the stakeholders want to know, okay, <laughs> yes, we're seeing the reporting, we're seeing the outputs, but in the reporting, we want to know the details of how are you doing this? And how are you doing now? And where are you going to be where your goals and objectives for next year? Because uh, we're looking for improvement. We're not just exactly. looking for, you know, this place and time. So, so there's that piece, I think, unpacking in terms of reporting. Um, and the other side that I just want to make sure that somehow we get into, um, so we talk about value, but also the company's dependency on their people. And I, I know we talked a little bit about that last time, but hopefully when we we, we will have an opportunity um, during this uh, this episode to talk a little more about the concept of how uh, a company is actually dependent on their people, um, not just thinking about value, but also dependency. I want to kind of uh, drill down this on a little bit further because I think it's a an opportunity to people kind of like crack that walnut and get people to think a little bit differently. I particularly remember when I was working in the front line and one of the frustrations of the employees engaging in what I guess you could call task work, the frontline work, is that they felt undervalued. They felt that other people thought they were the stupid class in the workplace. And we started to have sessions where I was talking to them about the legislation, bringing in Ontario, it's called the Green Book bringing that legislation to them, walking through when they had questions, going back to that, it was incredible how conversations changed so that when they were actually talking, they would go and get the legislation and be saying, well, what does it say in there? You know, let's look at that up. Let's see. And then when we, when I had created my own scorecards, right, um, with my management, and I remember one particular person, the cook, was wondering like, what was I doing? And I explained to him what the scorecard was, why I did it and everything. And he's like, oh, I, I wonder if I could use that for, for the temperature, right? Measuring the temperatures, making sure that every time it's being done, it's, it's being done in the same way. So we're making sure that we have food quality, right? And so we walked through and, and looked with his, um, the, the food um, safety person, um, how that might be done. And from that came a whole new system where the food safety um, leader was like, wow, this is really great. I'm talking with a cook and we're creating something that we can try here and then roll out, right? And so even this cook wanted data for some of the stuff that he was doing every day. And he got very excited because he didn't even get to finish high school, 
but now he was seeing how it could apply to his area. And what are your thoughts about stuff like that? Is it fantasy land that they get involved in that way or? So, oh my gosh, you just have given the best example of, of several things that this whole concept of when you're thinking about workers, you're thinking about your people and you're, you're looking at people with the concept of valuing them. You've just identified a couple points here that I would just bring out is um, one, the whole concept of engagement. Um, the world has changed. A lot of companies haven't figured this out yet, but the world has changed. People want to be involved. People want to be involved in small, even larger decisions. Um, and the more decisions that a company can allow their people to be involved in, like the examples you just gave, um, the greater the trust factor. And that's the second piece that I really feel like, you know, we're talking about. So engagement, concepts of trust. When people trust their, their superiors, um, you know, small company, large company, doesn't matter, but the people that they work for, and typically it is their, the manager. So if you're a frontline worker, it's your foreman. Um, if your foreman might be your supervisor, right? Whatever it is in the company. Um, and there's that trust factor. People want to work hard. They get excited about their work. Um, they, um, Oh gosh, this is my favorite part because it's it's the science is actually there. This concept of discretionary energy, um, this idea that you know if somebody's working, they might give. I think that I think that research says like eighty plus percent of their time and their energy they'll they'll put to, to work that they're enjoying. But when a, when a person is fulfilled in their work, and this is fulfillment is the concept of well being that we've been talking about, they are willing to give up. Uh, the extra mile, if you will. So that discretionary energy, that, you know, 15% extra that they can reserve, they make the decision. Um, if the company gets that, that translates to people staying late um, and problem solving, getting a, a, a line back up, working with a customer to solve their problem and the customer saying, we're gonna stay with you for life because you just saved our life um, in terms of their, their issue at hand. And, so, so, so as, as we're talking through this concept of discretionary energy, it also innovation for new products and services, mm -hmm. people are actually thinking about their job offline, as opposed to saying, I'm not going to think about my job. Yep. Yeah. Right. So it's, and there's this creativity that happens. So, um, you know, I just think that you really brought a lot of that in and that's why it's important as we're talking about um, scorecards, right. And the, yep. Yep. the actual outputs, it's why it's so important to give them feedback. And that those dashboards and those scorecards are do just that. They give them a sense of how are they doing. Yeah. So it's a right and and add a gal, add a guy, yeah. um, kind of concept. And the last thing I'm going to bring that you just oh my gosh, your example on the food safety is just spot on. Um, the concept of integration, right? So the processes and and the and and if you will, procedures, et cetera, but the processes in particular that we use to manage safety, so assessing risk, yeah. um, right, investigating incidents, um, are some of the same processes that you're going to use in food safety, right? Yeah. You're going to use an environmental, right, food safety and quality, um, which is food safety, and it can be, you know, if you're uh, manufacturing a product or providing a service of quality there as well. Um, and so that integration of the same processes make it really easy to do this for a company. And all of this time, developing objectives, 
figuring out what your performance indicators are, measuring your performance, and that helps everyone understand the improvement that the company is doing, and that's good for decision-making both internally and externally. So nice, that's really great example. And I think it also drills down into that social piece that you were talking about before, because, you know, one of the pieces is like you were talking about uncertainty, right? And when people feel respected, when people feel valued and that they're trusted, that, you know, their leadership trusts them, that they're competent, I think that is also really golden because then that person, as you said, is going to put in even more because they have that feeling of certainty. When we were talking before, you were talking about materiality and risk. And this was a new thought to me. I've never heard about it. Can you maybe share that? And how is that connected with ESG? Sure. So for me, the one thing I'm hoping that's going to come out of our discussions today is really the role of the safety professionals, because that's really, that, that, that's who, how, who we're talking with you all today. Um, so part of it is understanding the language of business and understanding some of the concepts. And one of the concepts here is around materiality. So you're going to find me relating some of this to sort of how we think in the safety and health profession, but it's not how anyone else thinks, but I think it, it helps to do some of the translation. So, um, the reason why materiality and something as material is important is because it's all based in decision-making and it's decision-making around any stakeholder group. So when you think of something that is material to a company, it could be an issue, right? In our world, we would call it a risk, a material risk or a significant risk. But in the world of finance, it is called a material risk. And this is a uh, can be a material sorry, it's called materiality, and it would be a material impact. And what that means, it's an issue. It's an impact that actually would uh, affect decision-making by, by someone who's relatively prudent. Um, uh, and that decision-making from an investor's perspective would be if they knew that piece of information, that impact, it may determine whether or not they are going to purchase a security or own part of your business. If it's a customer, it may determine that customer's decision as to whether to purchase your product um, and or your service. Um, if a supplier, um, you know, when Macondo happened, there were many suppliers that had decided that they were not going to do business with um, BP or Transocean um, from a reputational perspective. So they had decision making as to whether they were going to do business with the company. That can happen with your company as well. Um, and then there's people, right? There's yeah. the workers, the, the, the employees, and they have choice. And right now, there's a lot of choice from that perspective. So yeah. this concept of materiality, why is this important? So now that we've kind of defined it and it's all around decision-making and it's information that's going to inform decision-making. So, um, because I think what's important here is to understand that these are the regulations that we're talking about for the EU, for Canada, the UK, um, and, and the United States. And frankly, it's around the world, right? Yep. Materiality, the concept, the words maybe not the same, but the concepts are all the same. So if you have a material issue, 
Um, and that means something that's going to impact the decision making of one of the, the shareholders in particular, but stakeholders now in general, as we think about uh, materiality, that has to go into your, in the United States, we, it's a 10K. Um, every company, uh, every country calls it something different, but it's basically your annual report. So what this means is that it has to be reported there. If your company does not believe it's material, then it does not have to report it. So you don't have to say why, but if it's not material. Um, if, however, in the regulations in the uh, country say that these are the specific areas, so diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, certain issues around safety and health, um, you know, lost time, injuries, um, fatalities, um, which tend to be right now, which we know is not a true measure of performance around safety and health. Um, if that is a requirement in your country, um, then, and we're just talking about 10Ks, we're not talking about sustainability reports, we're talking about your annual financial reports. And um, you've decided as an organization, it's not material, you don't have to report it. But if the regulations say you have to report it, you don't have a choice, you have to report it. So there's not a matter of not, not reporting it. If your regulations are saying, these are the things around human capital that you need to report. Now let's fast forward to answer your question relative to sustainability and corporate social responsibility reports. Um, they're all voluntary. There's no government financial regulations around them. So the company gets to decide what they believe is material for all the stakeholders to know. So they can say, we are not gonna report, for example, on the injury and illness rates for our subcontractors because we have X, Y, Z. So that might mean they don't have the data. So they would report out on that, but there's no regulations that are telling them that they have to. However, um, if it's expectation of their stakeholders, then they will do that. And typically if they can't get the information for whatever the reason that they can't get the data, they will disclose that. And that is the terminology is, is to disclose that. So sustainability reports, financial reports, and it's really important to understand there's a big difference. Now, the last thing I wanna say on this is if something is actually turns out to be material, i.e. Macondo, right? In, in the Gulf of Mexico. There is a huge, and this is all over the world, you know, there's um, uh, the Exxon Valdez, um, the North Sea, for example, um, Piper Alpha, the fireworks in France and Toulouse. I mean, there's many, many large explosions, Union Carbide in, in India. So if things like that happen, um, or if there's something that um, does actually play out to be a material issue and the organization has said that it's not material, and it should have been disclosed, that all gets played out in shareholder suits. So that's how that's sorted out. And so as a health and safety professional, what should we be mindful of? Knowing the business environment we're operating in. And what that means is both externally as well as internally. And that changes country to country. Right, so internally, we need to understand what is our C-suite thinking? What are boards of directors um, telling the CEO and the C-suite that needs to be done? So what is the strategy of the company, which includes goals and objectives and an action plan, right? A strategic plan. So you have access to that internally. So it's about aligning 
And this is where, and this is why I say to me, it's not a slippery slope. If the organization decides that they're not going to listen to, you know, the things that you're trying to help them understand, like immateriality and that sort of thing, then the organization is going to be finding themselves in, 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 in challenging times. But for us, it's, you know, we don't change. We have, um, all of us have a, a code of ethics, you know, that we follow. So we have to provide the facts. We have to provide the information, the data that was agreed on, right, between the leaders and us that is going to go on the dashboard, those key performance indicators. And those key performance indicators should be aligned with the goals and objectives of the organization. If they are not, then we're not doing our jobs and the operational leaders and the C-suites and the boards of directors, they're not doing their jobs because we don't own safety. They do. And I think that is the premise where it is completely changed. Um, I'd say maybe just in the past, maybe five to 10 years. Um, and in many companies, that's not the case. You know, oh, call the safety person. You know, they're gonna take care of our safety issues. But that's, that's not the way of the world anymore. And this whole ESG is really, to be honest, most safety and health professionals don't even know what the acronym is, let alone know that they've got a role to play. So that's the external business environment, which is what you and I are doing here today, um, to understanding um, that this is something that is important for them to know. And how do they align the safety and health um, objectives, goals, plan with the business? That includes the budgeting um, of the business. And how do we inform our uh, leaders and help them understand that these are the issues at hand and they are the ones that are making the business decisions. So hopefully that's helpful. Now, you know, I'm thinking about our audience that are listening and they may be asking, well, Kathy, how do I even go about doing KPIs? And some people may in our audience may not even know what key performance indicators are. I know that in conversations in community, people have come and said, I'm not really clear on what those even are. So what, what guidance do you have for people around that? Just to kind of shed some light there. Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, just make it as simple as possible because it's so funny we're, we're having this conversation because I literally am in the throes of, um, I'm a US, the US, one of the US delegates to ISO 45004, which is around performance evaluation, which is taking into account performance indicators. And we have just decided that we're not gonna call them key performance indicators. We're gonna call them performance indicators. So a performance indicator just is basically, it's a measurement of how well the company's doing on to goal. So if, remember we talked about alignment with the corporate goals and objectives, safety and health goals and objectives for the year, it might be to develop and implement a risk management process, uh, a risk assessment process, an instant investigation program, uh, training around fork trick trucks, training around um, over the road vehicles, whatever the goal is, right? So your objective is competency for uh, drivers um, of your fleet, a, a fleet of cars or fleet of um, vehicles for um, uh, transportation um, and distribution. So if that's the goal, what, this is why you don't do this in a silo, right? You, we, as safety and health professionals, we go and we talk to the operators. We go and we talk to the, the leaders in those areas that are doing warehousing and distribution. And we talk about together co-creating the indicators that will, it will demonstrate that the goal is being met. 
And that's all an indicator is. It's a, it's a measurement, right? It's a value, if you will. It's a, it could be a number, it can be, um, it could be subjective or, you know, uh, objective. So it could be a number or it could just, it could be um, someone passing a test, right? So either, either or, you X number of people that are gonna pass the actual competency test for um, truck driving. Um, and that number is an indicator of how well the organization is doing to their goal, because that's all we're doing. So you've got to have a goal and the indicator is just letting the organization in the dashboards, right, internally, um, know how well they are um, operating or managing to their goals. So another thing that our audience may be wondering, and I'm wondering myself, is like, you know, we know that there's a decision-making table out there. We know that it's somewhere out there. Some of us are able to sit on it and others are kind of wondering how to get to the table. So can you shed some light on, you know, the decision-making table? How could you get to there? And, and when you're there, what is your role at that decision-making table when we're looking at these things? So hopefully in all of this discussion around ESG, um, you will find your way to the table because we are there. Safety and health is part of the social side of sustainability. It's about people working in organizations. Um, human resources are part of the group that is at the decision-making table. The human resources folks um, are looking at uh, workers and employees in different ways. So they're measuring uh, retention and hiring. They're measuring uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, for us, we are at the same level. Um, the health and safety and well-being of people, and we just saw this through this pandemic, right? Um, the actual value of people. So I think part of it for safety and health professionals is we don't ask. We come in, and we, we're not good at this, by the way. Um, we make sure that our business leaders understand what the issues are. And when we help them understand what the issues are, they turn and they go, oh, well, we need, to, we need Tamara. And we need Kathy and we need Joe um, to come in and inform us about this topic because they are the subject matter experts. Now, for me, um, and in my experience, it's because I get asked to come in and talk to boards, to CEOs, uh, to, to really have conversations. And my best way to do that is to ask questions because it helps them understand what gaps are out there. So part of the, and then, then I listen right? Because then you can figure out the data or the information or whatever the needs are of that group to be able to help them make a decision. So an example, merger and acquisition, or in this case, an acquisition, and a company um, was trying to determine whether or not to purchase um, uh, an operation in another country. And um, it actually happened to have uh, pretty toxic uh, material, um, it, a material is typically uh, in water. When it hits air, it explodes. So methyl ethyl death. Um, when talking to the business leaders, they knew there wasn't something right, but they just didn't know what it was. And so for us, it's about not telling the company what they can't do. It's saying just like this, Absolutely, we can purchase that 
that particular operation. That's not a problem. Here's, here's some of the issues that you might want to take into consideration. And then you start talking about retrofitting because there's no blowout walls. You start talking about the toxic, toxicity of material. You start talking about damage to product, damage to building, um, the injury and potential fatality uh, for uh, the fatality uh, potential, the SIF, if you will, um, serious injury and fatality potential uh, for that particular operation. And then you sit back and you wait for them to ask you the questions. And one of the questions are gonna be, okay, so how much is that gonna cost? So you've already done the calculation before you sit at that table and you let them know. So that's, that's, that's about sitting at the table with ESG. If you understand the business, you're going to offline have these conversations with some of the operational leaders on the C-suite to help them understand the role of safety and health and the well-being of their people in this whole ESG. And you're going to find out if ESG is even something your company's interested in. So hopefully that gives you a couple of little pearls to start with. Yeah, no, this has been a great conversation. And I know this is a three-part series. So at the beginning, if you did miss the first episode, that episode, we were kind of just kind of going over like what is ESG and human capital? And we dove into that. And we've had a really great conversation today, you know, really getting into what is the role of the health and safety professional in ESGs. So thank you for that. And then tune in next time because we are going to be diving even deeper into how to get to that decision making table. Now, Kathy, this is all the time that we have for today. But before we go, can you share with our audience some last thoughts that you might want to get out there? Absolutely. Um, we are bridge builders. Um, we break down silos. This is what we, we are born to do. Um, we know everybody in the company and we have opportunities to talk to everyone. This is not any different. When you're talking about ESG, it's just at different levels in the organization. So our role is to collaborate. It's to find allies uh, and HR is our ally, even though sometimes folks don't feel that way, but they understand about people. And if you can get them on your side, it's not you talking. It's the operational leaders. It's the other functional department leaders. It's the procurement departments that are saying, no, wait a minute. We need to have specifications and criteria around whatever whatever the, um, the equipment and or it could be a workstation that we're, we're purchasing. So it's really important that we understand the people side of what we're trying to do. So I'm looking forward to our next episode tomorrow. Thanks so much. Oh, no, thank you. This has been great. I'm really glad that we're able to do these series and bring them to people. And so thank you for joining us today, Kathy. And thank you audience for listening in. And if you want more great content, come over to safepedia.com where you can get loads of health and safety resources for you and your team. Until next time, stay safe.